Alrighty, gentlemen, welcome to the 2019 preseason power rankings for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Guys, Saturday was awesome. Let me tell you, it was so much fun. Everybody getting together like that, I live for it. It's one of the top five days of the year. No doubt, hands down, one of the best days, some of the best five hours spent drafting our teams. Year 11, we're going to go into some power rankings, and I wanted to really take some time to put in some good, solid effort for these power rankings. Look for them to come out every Tuesday or Wednesday night, each and every single week of the season. So first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to address the top three reaches that we had. So the ones that really popped out, according to Fantasy Football ADP for 10-team half-point PPR, one of the biggest reaches we saw was Darius Geis going at pick 37 with an ADP of 72 by Reese. Additionally, we had Tariq Cohen, also drafted by Reese, Drafted at pick 50 with an ADP of 73. And then Cortland Sutton had an ADP of 125, selected at 71 by Brad Mahan. Now, some of the top three value picks that I saw versus ADP were Devontae Adams, picked by Mendo, at pick 13 with an ADP of 7. Deshaun Watson, picked by Brandon Kressner, at pick 61 with an ADP of 50. And then also by Kressner, Duke Johnson picked at 102 with an ADP of 75. Now, obviously, that one's going to come down to the Lamar Miller injury happening after our draft was already completed. So Kressner really got a big steal in getting Duke Johnson about three rounds later. Now, I did have my top three who the fuck are they? And my top three, who the fuck are they? Number one was Andy Isabella. I, I literally don't know who the fuck this white guy is. Or who the fuck this guy is. I don't know if he's white or what, what the fuck he's dealing with. He's got a white guy picture, though, on ESPN Fantasy, and I, I really don't know who the fuck he is. Then I had Nikhil Harry. Who? Nikhil, Nikhil, what? Who? That was drafted by Brett. And then lastly, we had Debo Samuel from San Francisco. Another guy... Just who? And then the top three keepers that we had for this season were definitely James Conner going in pick 16 or round 16. Patrick Mahomes also going in round 16. And then Nick Chubb in round 10. Those were the top three keepers that were available this year. It really proved last year that those later rounds do matter as there were four really, really solid keeper options last year in in round 16 as James Conner, Patrick Mahomes, Ty Lockett, and Kenny Galladay all went back to back. Brett, you also had a really solid keeper keeping Galladay in round 16. Anytime you can start stacking your team from round 16 and moving forward, you're really going to be able to build a solid team with a good keeper. Um, Probably one of the worst keepers that we had this year was Eric Ebron in round 10 and Robert Woods in round 8. Just not a huge value between ADP and where they're getting drafted. Um, But we'll start moving into the power rankings. 
This year, um, I really wanted to focus in on uh, balance, you know, who really did a good job balancing their team out. You know, we have the two extra flex positions. Um, so we're going to get right into it. At number 10, we have Brett. And Brett, this is what I always think about you. Hey, Gilmore, you suck, you jackass. Why don't you shut that? And Brett, that's what your team is. You suck. We're surprised you made the playoffs last year for the first time in forever. And I don't think you're going to repeat with your team. I do really like the way you start off your team. I think your first four picks are really solid. You get crushed by that Lamar Miller injury. And then this is where the rest of your draft just gets kind of lost. Is I mean, James White obviously is a good, solid player. But, you know, maybe Sony Michelle takes a step forward, takes away some plays from him. James White is getting a little bit older now. Um, but, you know, Brady's obviously still the man and really trusts James White. So, I mean, James White, I guess, probably looking to be like your consistent flex one spot. But, you know, do you really think that Sterling Shepard, Christian Kirk, or AP or Nikhil Harry are going to fill that, that flex two? I'm not really as bullish on OJ Howard as many other people are this year. I mean, in our draft here, he's going to come off the board as our fifth tight end. I I don't know. I guess I just wasn't that high on tight ends this year if you weren't really getting Ertz, Kittle, or Kelsey. I do think Evan Ingram in the seventh by jail was a good value pick at in that round just based off of you know what he's done and produced when Odell was gone from the team. Um, at number nine, uh, I got Reese's team here. Um, and Reese, I mean, this is quite easy, man. This was exactly your team. And we sung this many a times on Saturday, which was great. Um, so I love your team. I love all the Bears. But when you start digging into your team a bit, I mean, reaching on Kelsey, it doesn't necessarily kill you. I mean, he had an ADP of 18. You pick him at 10. You know, you do identify the best tight end available and you lock him up. You supplement him with Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill is obviously a super boom player, can help you win a lot of weeks. Just the main problem that I have with your team is that it's really based off of two teams. I mean, it's based off of Kansas City and Chicago. Chicago has a mediocre offensive week or Kansas City has a mediocre offensive week. It's just going to be hard for you to win just based on the way you designed your team here. Um, but you do get a lot of really good value picks. I mean, I maybe people in the league won't agree with me, but I thought the George Kittle pick at the end of round three was a really solid pick. He was by far and away the top guy on my ADP sheet. So I just think, you know, in that spot, you just picked strictly based off of value. I thought you did great execution um, getting that trade with Colin. I, I really think you, you kind of killed him on the trade. Um, I mean, you move up or you move down six picks in round, you know, from three to four, and then you get his sixth round pick for your, you know, what happens to be Kittle and, and your ninth round pick. So you really move up about 30 round or 30 picks in the sixth round and drop six picks. I just think the execution is, is where you lost it a bit. Um, as I mentioned to start off the podcast today, Darius Geis was definitely one of the bigger reaches we saw, especially in those first 10 rounds. Um, you know, he had an ADP of about 72. You picked him at 37. I really think you could have waited actually um, to pick him later, you know, maybe even in the sixth. So you, you end up passing on kind of some big names here. You know, Melvin Gordon, Mark Ingram, um, Calvin Ridley, AJ Green, Tevin Coldman, Chris Godwin. I mean, all guys that were kind of going in that range. 
So I could definitely see that coming coming back to bite you. Um, but sometimes in fantasy, you got to reach and get the guys you want. Obviously, you identified Geis as one of those guys that you're, you're bullish on this year and you think he's going to take over. I mean, everybody thought last year that Geis was going to be the guy. And I mean, that's why he was a value pick last year in round 17 and ended up being traded, you know, three or four times because everybody wanted him as a keeper. Um, I just, you know, I think there's some questions about his injuries. Um, at number eight, I got Jake's team. Jake, I mean, love Saquon, the thigh man, Barkley. I mean, there's really, there's really nothing not to like about him. I mean, he's quite possibly one of the best athletes we've seen in football in a really long time. Um, obviously obsessed with his size. I mean, he's got to be able to squat 10,000 pounds. He's just, he's elusive. He's quick. He, he just, he really can do it all. Um, the problem I have with your draft besides Aaron Rodgers being somebody I absolutely hate and I hope the Bears rip his legs out um, from under him in week one on September 5 is that I'm not necessarily so sure about Alshon Jeffrey. I just think he's aging and I guess I've never really been bullish on age, on Alshon Jeffrey in, in fantasy. I know he's produced in the past and I know Carson Wentz is definitely one of the better quarterbacks in the league and somebody everybody's really high on. Um, but, you know, you kind of supplemented it with, you know, really old receivers. There's not a lot of youth on your team outside of, you know, your running back spot. So you have like really young running backs and then just older aging wide receivers. So just kind of interested to see how that plays out. Josh Jacobs is kind of one of the more boomer bust guys I see this year. Um, and maybe not bust in the fashion that he won't do really well because I think the volume is going to be crazy for Josh Jacobs this year. Uh, I mean, he really is a guy that's going to see three down work and be one of the workhorses in the league. So I definitely think he'll put up points on a week to week basis, but I just don't know if we're really going to see that like next level, huge fantasy asset for him. So I think maybe he ends up being somebody that ends up looking like a reach, but he should still provide some good value. Um, And then obviously the reach here on Eckler. I mean, this is going to come down to Melvin Gordon. You know, when does he come back? Is Eckler the guy over Justin? You know, that's still left to be seen. Um, I like Eckler as a football player, but sometimes I think he's possibly a better compliment than he is like a lead back. Um, We saw that last year. His yards per game went down when Melvin Gordon was out. But, you know, when he has somebody else that he's running with and complimenting, he's a really, really good player. So I'm, I'm interested to see what the Chargers do um, while Gordon sits out because it doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. Um, and then I, I really like the Jordan Howard and LaShawn McCoy picks here. I think Jordan Howard is kind of the guy that went undervalued this year. You know, everybody got really bullish on, on Miles Sanders, um, even including myself in another league. Um, but I think Jordan Howard is really the consistent guy. We've seen what the Eagles have done with running backs and, and utilizing all of them. So I think there's just good value that he'll be able to provide to you from a flex spot. And then LaShawn McCoy is still technically lead back there. And maybe we see him be used a lot in the few, first few weeks to showcase him and see if maybe they could trade him for a useful asset. Um, at number seven, I got to go with the FaceTime man, Brad Mahan's team. Um, I like what you did in the first few rounds. Um, our draft we had the previous night did not like anything that, that kind of went on there, but um, your first four rounds go really well here. I mean, Julio, Gurley. Gurley's one of these weird situations too where I'm not 
really sure what like the rest of the league is, is seeing here. You know, what, what do the fantasy experts know and the football experts know that, that we don't really know? Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, if he ends up hurting his knee, you might get... Um, so, you know, that that's just kind of a situation that you could get burned on. You back it up with Daryl Henderson, which was a smart move. You get Cooks. You get the second-best tight end, in my opinion, in Zach Ertz. Um, he's just super consistent with, with Wentz, and he's just a really consistent, great player to have in PPR. Um, your next three picks, I can't imagine that all three of them are going to hit, but my guess is that one of them is going to hit and be probably a top 15 receiver. I mean, Mike Williams has huge upside. Cortland Sutton has huge upside, and so does Robbie Anderson. Sam Darnold could take a step forward. R- Robbie Anderson just might be that guy that actually ends up being in the top 15. Same with Mike Williams. I mean, he was a guy that was regarded as a, as a highly regarded prospect, and he just kind of fell off the radar the last couple of years. But maybe he takes a step forward, and we see some um, – some less pass catches for Keenan Allen this year. So that's going to be something to pay pay close attention to. But really where you lost it here is you don't have running backs. You have two running backs for your entire team. You have Gurley and Jones. If one of those guys gets hurt, I mean, you do have the backup in Henderson, but that's it. I mean, your next running back you have on your team is Quadre Allison. Which I should have added him to the who the fuck list and then Alfred Blue. I mean, this is just not a strong running back group for whatever reason you get hurt or bye weeks. I mean, this is going to be just a brutal way to put the team together. In my opinion, you're going to have to make a move to try to get another running back um, just to have backups. At number six, I have myself. Um, And what I like here that I was able to do is I went against the grain um, for really the first time in a while, I, I always go really heavy running backs. And, and this year I, I, I did something different, right? I go two wide receiver, I get Mike Thomas and Odell. Now I might've reached on Mike Thomas a little bit, but he's somebody that I, I really value just because of consistency. I, I trust Drew Brees a lot. I trust that he's going to get his catches and then it just comes down to if he gets in the end zone or not. So I just like the consistency that he provided me there. I was really hoping Tyreek would fall back to me there in round two, but instead I got my choice between Odell and and Juju. Um, And when I was picking between the two, I just think maybe the NFL has gotten super bullish on Juju being, you know, the guy that takes over, you know, a higher snap percentage of catches than Antonio Brown gets this year. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe it stays more or less the same. Odell, there's just kind of this sex appeal with Baker, and you know I'm just excited to see. So I think that's kind of a fun way to start. I then get Damian Williams, so I do lock up my second running back because I had Carryon Johnson as, as my keeper. So you know I now have two starting running backs, and I come back and get Diggs and Godwin. So my team's really wide receiver heavy in those first few rounds, and then I start just taking shots on running backs. I'm not overly excited about my Latavius Murray pick. I was hoping that Miles Sanders would follow me at that spot. He didn't, so I took Latavius just because of what Mark Ingram's been able to do and and produce in that spot. 
So that's something I guess I'm excited about. Um, and I, he's just in an exciting spot in, in that offense. And then I start really taking shots on, on running backs here. I don't necessarily know how great the value add is there, but you know I end up picking five running backs with my last nine picks. So, And then Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar Jackson, somebody I was really bullish on this year because if he improves any bit as a passer this year, he, with his legs, should end up being a top five quarterback if he stays healthy. Um, at number five, we have none other than... The Dark Lord himself. Collins' team here definitely comes in at, at number five. Um, you know, he takes a shot. I mean, Zeke probably should be signing. I'm leaving hopefully soon. Um, you know, they can't be too far away on that contract is my guess, but who knows? Maybe he did find it really disrespectfully offered to him the second highest running back money, but you think that the two sides might be able to come together here. And then you come back and you, you get your guy in Antonio Brown, which like I've mentioned previously is sometimes you just got to get your guy, you know, your, your guy is, is, you know, what wins you leagues. Um, and, and you've proven time and time and again to do so. Um, you know, you supplement your team by, by trading for Kittle. So you end up getting one of the top three tight ends. I'm not high on Derrick Henry. I know what he did last year in those last few games, but outside those last few games, he was fucking horrid. Um, and so now he's getting picked back again in that, that route, end of round two, early round three spot. And I, I can't stand it because I just don't really think he's that good. Um, so I look for him to, to just be a bust this year like he was last year. Uh, but knowing you, he'll be like the top running back ever. Uh, Miles Sanders is definitely a good value where you got him. Same with Darwin Thompson. You know, for whatever reason, Damian Williams isn't the back there. Getting a guy like Darwin Thompson later in the draft like that is, is a really good mood. And then, you know, you end up picking Tyler Boyd one pick after A.J. Green. And, you know, while A.J. Green's out, Tyler Boyd should get all that target share. Um, and then ultimately, once again, it's easier to build your team when you have a really, really solid keeper and you had Nick Chubb in, in the 10th and I could definitely see him being um, one of the, the top three backs, if not the top back this year. I know everyone like Mendo is afraid of Cream Hunt, but I really don't see any sort of worry about that. I think if Chubb is the running back and he's producing at a really high level, for those first eight weeks, I, I see Cream Hunt coming in and just being a, a change of pace back. Um, at number four, we have J.O.'s team. Um, J.O., I mean, you get Christian McCaffrey, who's a PPR freaking monster. You take a huge shot. You take a big risk with Melvin Gordon and A.J. Green back-to-back in the, the fourth and fifth round, um, especially considering the fact your keeper was Baker Mayfield. Um, but the thing I like most here is you actually supplement it by, by scooping Tony Pollard in one of the later rounds. So if Zeke sits for a couple weeks, you know, that could be the difference between the time Melvin Gordon comes back and signs. So that, that can really supplement you there. Um, but, you know, you get Mike Evans. Will Fuller could have a huge year with Deshaun Watson. We've seen what he does when he's healthy. I mean, the guy just catches t- touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Um, you get one of my favorite scat backs in, in Matt Brieta. You know, Matt Brieta joins the, the Duke Johnson and the Chris Thompson of the world of guys I'm just like obsessed with for, for no reason. Um, and I think what it comes down to is, I mean, if Gordon and Green are back, I mean, you probably have the best team, especially if Fournette stays healthy. 
Um, you know, Evan Ingram's a really solid, solid tight end. But if those guys are out for a prolonged time, you know, how do you survive in, until they possibly come back? And, you know, does Melvin Gordon come back at all? But I think you're in a really tough spot there in, in that round four spot to just pass on that. And, um, you know, in, in the league prior, I, I, I did the exact same thing. It's just you really kind of get screwed in, into making that decision. And there's a lot of risk, but obviously huge, huge reward if, if you're able to. Um, at number three, I have Jeff's team. Now, Jeff, you really do a good job here of, you know, just like I did, I mean, you start off wide receiver, wide receiver. The thing I actually liked that you did a little bit better than me was you then went all running back shots. So you had a little bit higher value add on, on the running backs you took shots on in Freeman, Michael, Coleman, Lindsey, and Drake. And this is exactly what I think of when you did that. <laughs> So, you know, you were just sitting there rolling the dice, rolling the dice, rolling the dice on these running backs, and really you just need kind of a couple of them to hit. I mean, you even come back in the later rounds too, and you had Freeman and Balazs, and there's just really no reason to believe that you won't have two or three starting running backs all year there that should produce at an RB2 level, and, you know, maybe one guy hits, and you end up producing at a, having one guy produce at an RB1 level. I think Carson Wentz was definitely a little bit early uh, I think you could have waited on him a bit, but like I've mentioned, you got to get your guys. <laughs> you got to get your guys. And then I think Dante Moncrief. Um, I know a lot of people are high on James Washington right now, but Dante Moncrief is still wide receiver number two in that Pittsburgh offense. There's, I know that James Washington is killing it in preseason, but as of right now, Moncrief is still the number two heading into the season, and he'll get that opportunity first. And then Mark Andrews is actually a really, really solid value add um, in those late rounds. At number two, we have Kressner's team. I like Kressner's team because he does what he does each and every single year in the draft, and he, he just lets it come to him. He, I would say Kressner's really consistent and never really picking outside of ADP. He, he stays consistent, and it ends up being a reward here. I mean, Kamara, great start. He gets Marlon Mack in the seventh, who was really like a round three guy. He gets Cook. So his running backs are really solid, especially with the addition of Mark Ingram in Baltimore. He's got four really, really solid running backs. He then adds Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Corey Davis, and Tyrell Williams as his wide receivers. I don't necessarily think it's the strongest wide receiver group, but I think it's a wide receiver group that can definitely get it done. Um, you know, if Antonio Brown continues his shenanigans off the field, you know, maybe does it translate on the field and maybe just Tyrell Williams end up picking up a few, a few targets his way. Um, kind of unsure about that, but I think those wide receiver group could definitely get it done. And I think that running back group is one of the strongest we have here. And then you get Deshaun Watson in the sixth. Um, he ends up being the, Technically a third because of the Mahomes keeper quarterback off the board. But, you know, in I think many people's minds, he was really the second fantasy quarterback. I know Jake went with a little bit more consistency in what Aaron Rodgers has done for a career. But Watson is definitely a guy that could reward at Mahomes' level if he produces. And we've definitely seen him, him do that before. And then at number one, I know he didn't want me to do it, but it's it's hard not to put this team one. I, there was no reason why I... I I could really figure out why this team wouldn't be one. Um, 
I, I do think the T.Y. Hilton and now with what happened to Andrew Luck, I do think he takes a major hit. But even with that said, I mean, you have Devontae Adams, David Johnson, and James Conner. I mean, you have two running backs that could finish in the top three to five, and then you have a wide receiver that's going to produce probably in the top, th- once again, three to five. Um, you got three players that were all considered within the top 10. So f- having Devontae Adams fall into your lap there in the second round was really a huge value add. Um, and then you have some really good, solid wide receivers to supplement that. So even if T.Y. Hilton does fall off, you add Cooper Cub, who's really good in PPR. Same with James Sanders. Or same with same with Cooper Cup and Jarvis Landry and Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so you add some guys that are really going to be solid in in PPR format. You get the quarterback who's consistently awesome in fantasy in Drew Brees, and then you get a tight end in Jared Cook, who by every mean in what they've said in spring or what they've said said in fall football here is that he he's looked really well with Drew Brees, and there's definitely a connection there. And then you can wait on the only thing that is, is going to be hard for you is that you're going to have two guys that are out for a while. I mean, you have Golden Tate sitting out four games and Kareem Hunt sitting out eight games. So you're going to have two bench spots, you know, occupied for right now. Um, and that would conclude it for the 2019 League of Extraordinary Gentlemen preseason power rankings. But wait, there's more. I went ahead, and in addition to the power rankings, I power ranked everybody's performance from Saturday, and I'm going to give a snippet of it now. At 10th, coming in 10th place for Saturday's performance rankings, we have Mendo. So you might have came in first for the fucking draft itself, but you came in last. You came in absolutely with an electric start. No one may have boozed more than you. No one might have boozed harder. That, that, that's a no-brainer. But where the fuck did you go, dude? Where did you go? You left without saying goodbye, and you didn't come out with us, and you didn't come out with us. That is good for last each and every single fucking time. You better say goodbye, and you better make it out with us. That's for sure. At number nine, with Kressner, I will say you had a, you you had, you had an excuse, right? You had to go you had to go to the to the White Sox game, right? So you had to leave leave. I'm just kidding. The White Sox fucking suck, dude. Giolito wasn't pitching. The White Sox are at least a year away from being fucking good. They pay you to go to the game. So, my friend, you got ninth for Saturday's performance ranking. At number eight, Mayhan, you are so lucky you didn't get last. You are, you are so lucky you didn't get last. Considering you could have came and you didn't because of a housewarming party. A housewarming party. Really, dude? Like, what? That's crazy. Literally, that's crazy. Who does that? You got to come in for the draft, man. But where I will give it to you, though, is you stayed on that FaceTime for five fucking hours watching that shit show, which is commendable as fuck. And that's why I'll put you at eight, because I don't know how you had the patience to fucking sit there for five hours. That was borderline fucking incredible. At seven, Reese, buddy, I'm impressed with how much you were throwing the drinks back. No doubt there. Switching from beer to fireball to vodka was a hell of a showing. Hell of a showing. But leaving your wallet at Brett's place almost made you take last. What? How do you leave your wallet at Brett's place? Dude, that's like going to the bar, 
picking up a six, getting in the Uber, passing down the Uber, and then when you wake up, she's like, no, sorry, I'm not fucking you, you're a drunk bitch, and then you never talk to her again, and you, you had, you just had to seal the deal by making it out to the bar, that's all you had to do, that's all you had to do, was make it to the bar, no, and number six, we had me, man, I got kicked out of the bar harder than Tyreek Hill kicked that girl. Honestly. Pathetic. I did battle to stay at Old Joe. I mean, Old Crow. But I saw my warrior Jake outside. And I said, we got to get the boys together. And I left and I boozed until I was cross-eyed and I couldn't booze no more. But how did I not link back up with you guys? What? No. And... The way I dealt with that hangover on Sunday was an all-time joke. Plus, I drafted Odell Beckham, and we all know... I want to talk about something that's bothering me. Why do so many people think Odell Beckham Jr. is gay? All men do things that aren't really that masculine. I mean, look, I have on a minion shirt, and I didn't buy it because I thought it was cool. I thought it was cute. But nigga, I ain't gay. All they talk about is how Odell does synchronized dances with his homeboy. At least the dances are masculine. And number four and five, we actually had a tie. I, I know a tie. Brett and J.O. I'm lumping you guys together because I didn't really see you guys for long at Old Crow. That's my fault. But... And I thought about ranking J.O. higher because he did make it to softball on time. But then I thought, well, actually, I maybe should give it to Brett because he was much more worse. But Brett, you were supposed to drive us on Sunday, but you didn't. So that, that was a knock against you. So you guys tied, actually. Additionally, you guys both took the longest out of the draft for each and every single pick. Time per pick for both of you guys was incredibly long. Probably the exact same of just forever. Also, rumor has it J.O. was making some moves on Unit's girl. So maybe you guys got a little something going on right now. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe you guys do. Maybe you guys don't. But both of you did drink a goddamn great amount of Fireball. So that's why you guys sit at four and five. At number three, we got Colin. It has to be you at three. Put up an impressive performance drinking for the first time ever at the draft and didn't fucking rape us which was awesome for us so we're definitely forcing you to fucking drink every single year um you hosted the party you got a keg you got wings that's some goat shit right there literally goat shit we all love you for that and we appreciate you that was awesome that was literally the shit man thank you thank you thank you that was the shit only reason why you're sitting at three is because of telling us Florida first half. What? How in the fuck was Florida that bad? What? Flo- that game was miserable. Florida sucked. Only reason why you sit at three. Next, we have Jake the goddamn Undertaker Frank. That motherfucker passed out cold. And as soon as we were getting ready to leave... Rose from the dead to put up an all-time performance. He was so hungry at the bar, he just ate a handful of fucking limes like it was popcorn. And he got the cane boot out of Old Crow so fucking fast. Then when I found him outside, he was ready to booze and nothing was stopping him. 
Nothing was stopping him, man. Jake the Undertaker, Frank, fucking came hot to the draft. He came in the red carpet jacket and was ready to get fucked up and nothing was stopping him. That definitely puts him at two. And then at number one, we gotta go with Jeff. This is a no fucking brainer. Dude flew in from North Carolina. Nobody did more. Put in more effort. I'm sure he did the most mock drafts. Not only that, he got so fucked up, he passed out on the staircase. <laughs> and then he almost had to sleep outside because Brett's a moron. But lastly, lastly, he listened and didn't trade with Colin. Guys, the league is open this year. The league is open. Jeff, this might actually be it for you. You might make the fucking playoffs for the first time ever. So thank you for not training with Colin and leaving the league open for the first time ever. Thank you. Thank you for not trusting your instincts and just doing something different, dude. And thank you for flying in. And that, guys, wraps up the 2019 League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Power Rankings. 33 minutes, longest one ever. Take it on your morning commute. There it is, boys. Thank you all for another great year, year 11. Thank you.